0: Think of a time when you tried to make a change in some area of your life and it was like no matter how hard you worked, it just kept getting further and further away from you. When this happens, it's likely because we have a block going on somewhere in the subconscious mind. And if we want to make change that is effortless and rapid, we need to figure out how to impress upon and change the subconscious program. It's exactly what we're talking about on this episode of the Authentic Success Podcast. Do you ever feel like you were made for more and you just don't know what this looks like yet? My name is Jordan Ulrich and I've made it my mission to help people just like you align with your inner genius, lead a fulfilling life on your terms and facilitate true transformation from the inside out. Authentic success is here to challenge you, inspire you and bring you actionable strategies for stepping into the highest version of yourself from some of the world's greatest minds. You were put here with a unique purpose. It's time that we discover it and bring it to life. This is the Authentic Success Podcast. Has stress become a way too normal part of your life and no matter what you do, you can't seem to stop it sometimes? If there's one thing that worked for me in being able to interrupt these feelings of stress, anxiety, and overwhelm, it was emotional freedom techniques. If you've never tried this before, I would highly encourage you to do so, it will absolutely blow your mind. You can grab my free stress release tapping meditation at jordanulrich.com forward slash stress. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Authentic Success. My guest today, Nicholas Bone, is someone whose work has actually had a major influence on me over the past few years, dating back to about 2019. Uh, as a coach, speaker, host of the spoon Trained podcast, and someone with a passion for what really drives human behavior, he uses modalities like Reiki, energy work, hypnosis, and neuro linguistic programming to help people facilitate rapid changes on a subconscious level. So Nicholas, thank you uh, so much for taking your time to be here today.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: So I first actually, um, the, the first time that I ever came across your work was 2019, um, I was a fly fishing guide running my fly fishing guiding business. And it was like 6 a.m. And I was always looking for new podcasts. And I actually came across an episode of you on a podcast called the millionaire Mindcast, Mm -hmm. And this was my introduction to NLP. And uh, I had actually, I'd heard the term had, had no idea what it meant prior, but uh, really sparked a lot of curiosity for me. And, and without kind of knowing it, you know, over the next few, um, a few months later, I, I had done my first coaching certification under Tony Robbins Institute and, and learned very quickly that a lot of Tony's modalities that, that he uses are, you know, largely based um, off of the work of, of John Grinder and, and Richard Bandler and neurolinguistic programming. So I'd love to dive into that today. But first, I want to ask you, like, what led you into, uh, you know, what led you into the work that you do right now?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, like many entrepreneurs, um, I, I got to a point where I realized that my success was limited by my mindset. And so I see you have thinking, grow rich right behind you. And that was, that was definitely Great one point. of the books that was like, Oh, I can think and have different results, right? If I change my thoughts, different things are going to happen. And so I, I started to get into that Think and grow rich, the science of getting rich. Some of Tony Robbins work. Uh, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar and, I just, you know, from there, I just kept getting deeper and deeper and, and that became my true passion. I'm a real estate entrepreneur. Um, but the more I got into the mindset, the more I started to really enjoy that piece on its own, studied hypnosis, pranic healing, Reiki, NLP, uh, you know, body language, um, all of these different things. And I, I looked for ways that these principles tied together because some of them can get pretty complex, and I want to make it as easy as possible for people to understand. You know, why do we do what we do? Why do we block ourselves? How do we actually transform, break through these limits, and, and get to the other side? And um, so that's been a, been a pretty obsessive adventure for me in the last couple of years.
0: It is a rabbit hole that that once you begin, you know, especially with the mind, because because there's no cap on what you can learn about the mind. Um, And I think it's a series of a series of aha moments where you go, you know, it is like picking up a book, like, you know, think and grow rich for the first time and, and going, wow, instead of working harder, getting the same result, which is what we do when we try to drag our physical bodies through, you know, the, through the 3d realm, trying to do the same thing over and over again with, with more effort. Um, There's a huge spectrum of, of things to understand about the mind and and specifically the subconscious mind. Why is it important for somebody to understand if somebody's brand new to this and they're like, what do you mean that my thoughts could drive my behavior? Why is it important for somebody to have even a basic understanding of the subconscious mind and and how the mind is either going to be our cheerleader or it's going to completely be our saboteur. And it's going to be the one thing that either
1: pushes us forward or holds us back. Yeah. So there's a, a lot to unpack with that question. Uh, so the subconscious mind, they say it's estimated and it's responsible for ninety five percent of our actions. Right? Uh, I don't know how they get to that number, but but let's just say that. But the the conscious mind can process about seven bits of information per second. The subconscious mind can process about twenty million bits per second. So which one do you think you want to have locked in on your goals? Right? <laughs> the uh, they, they work to, they have to work together in a in a specific way. We can get into that in a minute, but. So the subconscious mind is incredibly powerful. And as we have uh, extreme, it gets programmed through extreme emotions and repetition. So the stronger an emotion, the stronger the program. So if you think about touching a hot stove as a kid, right, you only had to touch it once and you had a subconscious program for the rest of your life that kept your hand off of that hot stove. You learned instantly. And that's how we learn. And this is why one of the reasons I say that change happens fast. Most people think they got to go lay on a therapist couch for 20 years to get the change they want. But if we think about that stove, that new program was installed immediately. So we have to have the right leverage on ourselves to program the subconscious. Now, the subconscious, everything that happens to us, the subconscious creates meaning around. And that meaning is either this thing is good for me or it's bad for me, right? Or this is the type of person I am, or this is what I need to do to survive. And so the subconscious looks for patterns in our world. And it compels us to act, to keep us safe, to keep us consistent with how we see ourselves. And so it doesn't matter how much you you want to accomplish a goal. If your subconscious doesn't see that goal as useful, it's going to find ways to block your success. And so that's what happens a lot of times is our parents told us, you know, people that earn money are, for example, people that earn money are evil or greedy. And we're like, oh, I want to earn a bunch of money. But your subconscious mind through emotion and repetition has a meaning that people that earn money are, are greedy, we're going to have some internal conflicts that's going to stop our success. And so we need to get our conscious mind and our subconscious mind really on the same wavelength uh, in order to, to get the success we want. Does that make sense?
0: Of course. And I think that that's exactly what you just said is that people don't need, if, if trauma can be embedded in the body because of that heightened emotional experience in a minute, why would it take 10 years trying to reverse it? Why can we not reverse it in 20 minutes, right? Um, exactly. And exactly what you just said, money was what led me to all of this work because the, the question, the, the perpetual question is, why do I do what I do, right? Despite wanting to change, how come it is a never-ending game of falling back into the old pattern and back into the old pattern back into the old pattern so just like the hot stove the hot stove could also be watching you know uh, your mom and your dad have a screaming match over money and all of a sudden you have that that pathway gets built in your brain you have an emotional attachment that says money is bad and it causes conflict so then you're 30 years old and you're going why am I still broke right and and we don't have to look a lot further than uh, what could have happened in those programming years kind of between Between you know, zero and seven. Now, I know that you use a lot of different modalities. Um, you know, NLP is is such a beautiful way to get people to change on an unconscious level. Um, hypnosis, so many, many different ones. Do you have one um that you prefer to use that's like your gold standard, or do you gauge based on what somebody is working on and go, this person is because there's a constant conversation for me? Is I'll have moments where I'm like, EFT works faster than anything else, and then I'll be like, no emotion code works faster. And I'm like, no hypnosis works faster. And then, um, sometimes I just realize certain issues might cater better to different modalities, but do you have one that, that, you know, has become a go-to for you out of all the ones that you use?
1: I mean, it's kind of like asking, you know, is it better to build a house with a saw or a hammer? And it's like, well, mm. you got, you got to have both. Right. And And these right. are all just tools. Like, you know, I call myself a hypnotist, but that, what, what is that? It's just talking. Right. I mean, so they're all, they're all tools that I use. And a lot of it's, you know, I've consumed a lot of information. I've helped a lot of people. I've spoken. I've seen therapy in action, and, you know, some of the world's best hypnotists. And so, and I've practiced some of these things. And so when I get into a situation, my brain starts to recognize patterns and it pulls up these tools from my subconscious mind. It says, "Hey, use this. right? Like, hey, all right, let's tap. Let's do some tapping. Let's try that. yeah. One. Is it working? And then, and then we got to get feedback from our situation. Is that working? No, let's try something else. Let's let's do regression to cause, right? And we'll take them back in time to that first memory. We'll try that out. We'll change the modalities with NLP in that, uh, or we'll install a new resource state and and put that into the problem. And and all we do is visualize the future. Then so we, it's all about trying different things because everybody's different, and so we want to respond to the person in front of us. So if I'm doing some therapy with you and and you respond positively to something, uh, your, you know, your body language may shift, your breathing may shift. I'm going to do more of that, or I'm going to follow that rabbit hole. Or if I bring something up and you kind of cringe, I know I hit a soft spot. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so it's really like everybody's nervous system is so different. We want to have the principles to be able to take into these, you know, coaching or therapy sessions and uh, and respond in the moment, in flow, having all of these tools, at, you know, at our disposal.
0: That's yeah, and I know that um, that one thing you did touch on with hypnosis being just talking, right? And I know that you've trained with people like you know Freddie Jacquin and Mike Mandel, who are uh, amazing, amazing hypnotists. But I think there's definitely you know by the law of averages, there's going to be somebody listening to this that goes. Well, I saw hypnosis at my, at my high school, you know, dry grad, and it was, you know, he got people to do all these crazy things and I don't want to do that, but hypnosis is, is just getting someone into a suggestible state and, you know, piercing the barrier to the, to the unconscious mind, which is the analytical mind um, and impressing new information and influencing the subconscious. But could you debunk like what people might think hypnosis is, but what hypnosis actually is and why it works so quickly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the the stage shows are really cool. It can show certain people that want to have that experience can step on a stage. And completely let go of their inhibitions and cluck like a chicken or, you know, have those experiences. For me, I I was never able to do that. I never wanted to do that. That doesn't mean I'm not a good hypnotic subject. It doesn't mean hypnosis doesn't work. I just know consciously and subconsciously, I didn't want to have that experience on stage, but some people do. And so it works. So here's the way that I frame hypnotic influence. There's there's evolutionary factors here um, because it is language, but it's also there's, you know, more than just language. So the first thing is rapport. That's likability and trust. And the, and you know, the way that I describe it is really getting into the same wavelength, the same frequency as someone else. So when you're like somebody, you synchronize with them, um, you start to make that connection. And, and you know, if you've ever met someone and you just click with them instantly, that's rapport. like, oh, uh, I don't know what, I just feel good around them. I really like them. That's rapport. And if, as a hypnotist, I don't have that there's no way I'm gonna access the, the unconscious of someone else. Yeah. Um, so that's the first step. is and, and same with sales, same with everything we do in life. A sexual attraction starts with rapport. So the next step is certainty. We're evolved to follow the person with the most certainty. So if someone has, they stand tall, they have big body language, they're confident, um, you know, body language is half of our communication. And then we use very certain words. We're sure about where we're going. We have clarity uh, and confidence. People will follow you. And, it, and it's one-on-one conversations when speaking to an audience, leading a country, whatever it is, whoever has the most certainty wins. And so we have rapport, we have certainty. And then the next step is focus. So as we shift people's focus, as we shift their attention, we can start to change their, their state. Their vibration, their emotions, and, and they will have the experience that we are leading them to. So whether I'm on, on a stage as a hypnotist and I say, I'm gonna make myself invisible when I snap my fingers, boom, somebody will then have the experience of that by me shifting their focus. Or if I say, you know, think about your last girlfriend and, and how she broke up with you and cheated on you, right? As I shift your focus to that, you're gonna how you're gonna relive those emotions again, just like they're happening now. Or Why don't we think about your success? What's it going to be like when you reach that end state, you're going to feel that in your body. You're going to feel like it's possible. You're going to start to feel like the type of person who can accomplish that. So that's, that's basically the fundamentals of hypnosis for me is we we need rapport. We need certainty. And then as we shift people's focus, they start to have a different experience. And so whether that's on stage on a sales call um, you know, in therapy, those are the building blocks of of getting someone to change.
0: Yes, and and rapport is. Um, I mean, you've I'm sure watched Tony do this many many times where you know, somebody's really depressed and and their head is down and then he'll match and mirror their body language. But, you know, because somebody who's in that state of depression might not be very receptive to somebody who is on, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. But if you can go down and then bring them up to your level, uh, it's amazing what happens when you can uh, get into a state of, of rapport with someone. Now, something that you said was changing their state, right? And when we're trying to create a quantum leap, and we're trying to facilitate a true change in our life, and we're doing it from the emotional state of lack or impossibility, um, the odds are that the results we're going to get are going to be very, very poor and very similar to the results that we've kept on getting. Um, what is something someone can do, You know, and physiology is a very fast way to do this, but what is something that someone can do to shift their state, get into a more powerful state, where they feel more empowered to take the action they know that they have to take because their physiology or their body and their mind is not going to be lined up with fear. Um, You know, fear being the one thing that, that holds people back. What's something that that anybody listening to this could do to make a change in their state in not just, you know, in a matter of seconds. And we've all experienced it. You go to the gym, you're tired, you start running and all of a sudden you're like, you know, where, where where's this energy 10 minutes ago?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I liked, first of all, I liked how you said, you know, someone's in a state of depression, and how you have to meet them there. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I believe is depression is as a state. It's not a condition. It's not a, a lifelong sentence. It's not something that we have. It's a, it's a state and people, it's just like, uh, you, you know, this, I teach a, like a radio, like a, and, and as we change this channel on the radio, we experience different emotions. Well, our body and our brain is an antenna for different wavelengths of emotions. And so if you think about depression as just a station that people tend to get stuck on, right? Or they can tune into gratitude. If you're on the gratitude station, you don't resonate with depression anymore, right? You can't even hear the songs that are on the depression channel, essentially. And so there's there's several ways to change. I'll give you, uh, I don't think I've ever explained it like this. So I'm gonna break this down a little bit differently than maybe you've ever heard me talk about it. But let's say there's short-term ways to change our state and then there's long-term ways to change our state. So in the short term, Uh, our, our body language, our physiology is again, half of all communication. Well, if we're communicating with ourselves through our body and we want to be more confident, we can stand tall, right? So think about posture, the larger we are, the more we're showing confidence, our facial expressions by just smiling. You can't feel depression and smile at the same time. They're (laughs) not consistent in the body, right? So if we're standing tall, we have a big smile on our face and then we're moving quickly Because the faster we move, the more passionate we are. If we're relaxed and we're moving our hands quickly and passionately, we can work ourselves up into an excited state just with our body language. And then the last thing is our breath. So these are what I call the four pillars of body language, our our posture, our facial expressions, our movement, and our breath. If we have a a short, shallow breath, we're going to be anxious. We're going to be fearful. If we have a relaxed, shallow breath, that's more like a depressing state right? So if we're going to be a warrior, we want to breathe through our nose and breathe deep into our belly, ah, breathe really intensely. But if we want to be meditative, we're going to breathe nice and slow through our nose, deep into our belly and feel it radiate through our body. And so just breathing differently can change your state incredibly fast. Now it may take a few moments. Uh, and, and once you train yourself, it goes faster. So we change our physiology that change our state. Now, if we think about long-term well, there's a few other things short-term. So, so the pictures we make in our head, the language we use, the things we say to ourselves, who we surround ourselves with, all of these things affect our vibration. I'm sure you know you've, you've hung out with people and you're like, man, I get so excited when I'm around this person. I feel like I'm I have a better sense of humor. I'm more relaxed, and or or I go hang out with my mother-in-law and I get all anxious and depressed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get all tight and angry. And just being around different people can change our state. So, those are some of the short-term factors. The long-term one, the most important one is the meaning that we give things. So this is like, this kind of supersedes everything. We can change our body language and and do these incantations to change our state. But if the meaning that drives our life isn't consistent with the state we want to be in, we're going to really struggle to stay there. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll give you an example. So we talked about depression and depression is is a complex thing and many people are, um, they cling to, to certain beliefs about depression. Right. But this is what I believe. I believe that depression is stems mostly there's a, there's different circumstances, but I believe it stems mostly from a belief that, that the person is a victim because yes. if you're a victim, it means you don't have any impact over your environment, right? Like powerless. you're powerless. You can't control anything. And if we tell our nervous system that our nervous system's like, okay, you want, you, you believe that we're a victim in this situation. We're going to save all of our energy. We're not going to expend any energy here because it's going to be wasted because you believe you can't do anything here. And so the nervous system goes, all right, well, I know how exactly how to pull all our energy away. So we'll save it. So it just drains all your energy and, and you can't access it because you don't believe you need it anyway. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And, and I do think that energy is something that's generated. It's something that's generated from inside, right? Now, one thing that, that too, when you talk about something like depression, right, it being a state, somebody has to, if somebody's going to be depressed, they have to stand a certain way, they have to talk a certain way. And if you could get them just to change the way they're, they're even their shoulders from, from shrugged, To back and relax, they're going to actually feel it's going to signal, you know, a new biochemistry in the body. Now, one thing that was important that you mentioned was we cling to things, right? And because the unconscious mind is not analytical, it's very, very impersonal and it takes things as yes, it takes things literally, right? So, why do we cling to? We know that we don't want to be depressed, but is there a chance that if someone is depressed, they're gaining something from it. Like what we would call secondary gain, right? Where, where, what they get from it might be sympathy, might be recognition. Uh, why do we cling to things that are self-sabotaging behaviors, even though consciously we know we don't want them anymore. The unconscious mind keeps running the program and we can't seem to get our way out of it. Why do we cling to things that don't even
1: serve us? Yeah. Well, the subconscious, the subconscious, it it does serve us. It believes it's serving us, right? I mean, it's always, it's always looking out for our best interests. And so, um, if there is a secondary gain, the subconscious is going to, uh, find a way to deliver on that, even though it may go against what we consciously want. And this is why, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and build my own business. And my subconscious was like, Whoa, like you can't do that. Like your family didn't do that. Like we're going to try to protect you or or we don't have that self-image. And so it would find ways to keep me, to keep me safe is really what it's doing. And so with depression, if there's secondary gain, people get sympathy, people get connection, right? People may put themselves into safer positions, uh, by doing this. Um, or, you know, like I said, just the, the subconscious believes it's saving energy because if you yes. don't think you can change your environment, why do anything? So it's saving you energy. So it, it is serving you in that way. So this is why, if you can get into the subconscious, figure out why it's doing what it's doing and, and start to program it to a new outcome, you can really change that. And And it's not like crazy hard to do. There's actually some really simple principles, and, and we can go over those now if you want.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I love it. It's my favorite topic in the world.
1: Yeah. So, so the the brain again gets programmed by by your life experiences and and what it believes you to be and, and and the emotions and repetitions around those. And so if we want to change it, we just have to have new life experiences. It's like, you know, you can't have a job until you have experience, but you can't have experience until you have a job. It's kind of one of those kind of things. But here's mm-hmm. the trick. The brain doesn't know the difference between an experience that's real or imagined. So as we start to imagine ourselves performing in certain ways or being certain ways, the subconscious starts to go, Oh, I, I had this life experience, even though it's not real, it's just imagined. I don't know the difference. And it says, Oh, I, I, I'm maybe I'm that type of person. I have those kind of capabilities. I've had that experience. And so the more you can give your brain, the experiences of you being the way you want to be, the more it starts to lock onto that as your identity and as its target. So I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I I gave a talk. (laughs) This is when I still had a job. This is probably seven years ago now. Uh, At at my last job, I had to give a talk to, you know, two plant managers, a, a VP of operations and I like totally froze and I locked up and it it was kind of unlike me, but uh, it was the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. I got tunnel vision. I got super nervous and I'm like, oh, I understand why people don't want to speak in public. (laughs) So that was like, anytime I thought about speaking in public, because that was such an extreme event, I would get tunnel vision. I would get sick. I would relive that incident over and over. And this is what happens with trauma a lot of times. Right? So what I started to do, uh, I joined Toastmasters, but I would start to visualize myself speaking confidently and charismatically, right? It doesn't cost anything. There's no risk. We can just go into our mind and visualize and have these experiences. Well, pretty soon I started to see myself as that confident speaker. Then I would go to Toastmasters and I would speak and I would visualize before and I would visualize after uh, and I would visualize the whole experience that I wanted to create. And before long, I just became a really confident, relaxed speaker because I'd lived it in my imagination enough times For the subconscious to go, oh, we know how to do that. We've experienced that before. That's just the type of person that we are. And so we can change ourselves by imagining ourselves performing the way we want to perform.
0: Yeah. And there's actually uh, unbelievable science um, behind, you know, people might say, oh, you know, visualization. I don't want to visualize. It's like, well, you're already doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's just what kind of pictures are you creating in your head? And they've done studies on, you know uh people playing the piano where they give one test subject um they give one test group you know instruction to physically practice the piano for five days and then they give uh the other test subject or or the other test group um instruction to visualize themselves playing the scales and the precision and, and the similarity in their performance is almost identical and they've gone even a step further to show people's ability to grow muscle mass in their body through visualization alone, by visualizing certain physical exercises. And if that doesn't explain uh, a
1: snippet on the power of the mind, I, I don't really know what would. I, um, I totally believe it. And I think, um, what was I going to say? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 same parts of the brain fire that you, you acquire the same skills just by doing it in your imagination. I actually had the idea of, seeing if I could convince myself to tan by imagining laying in the sun. I haven't really followed Mm. through on this experiment, but I'm, I'm sure in a deep, in a deep enough trance, if you believed you were getting sun, your skin would change pigment color. I totally believe. Yes,
0: absolutely. I mean, they've done, they've done, um, you know, studies where they give uh, people fake radiation and 30% of them have their hair fall out by thought alone. Right. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk to you about the, you know, this would really tie into the power of belief because our lives are built on what we believe to be true. And, and somebody might say, Oh, I, I don't want to go into hypnosis. And, and you could easily counter that by saying you're already in hypnosis because you're just living this illusion. That's based off of a, a, a structure, a framework, you know, foundation pillars of beliefs that you formed largely in childhood, or like you said, through life experience you have one experience that is um that that is uh, damaging to do with public speaking and then not, not only do you think public speaking is is now a traumatic thing you start to tie your identity to it it's not just public speaking is hard it's i am not good at speaking right but correct um what what's an example of like when somebody can shift what they believe to be true and where hypnosis is so powerful when somebody can shift you know, what they believe to be true, how change can happen literally in an instant.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the thing that comes to mind as we're speaking about this is, is the meta model, which is an NLP concept. Um, so let's take that, let's, let's go with that speaking thing. I could have made several different meanings of that. I could have said, okay, well, I just messed up one speech. No big deal. I could have said, I'm a, I'm a failure, right? I could have said, uh, you know, in this certain situation, I'm not good at speaking. I could have made several different meanings around it. And, um, and most people take that, they, they generalize that to be, I'm a failure at life or mm-hmm. you know, I'm a failure at speaking. Right. And they, they lock that into place, right. Uh, me screwing up that, that talk was a, it was a process. It was a thing that happened It's not an identity. It's not something that's locked into place for the rest of my life. Does that make sense? And so, oh, of course. Say I have depression. They take that on as an identity versus oh, I'm experiencing a state of depression at the moment, Mm -hmm. which is not permanent. And just by using that language, you can transform everything. And so, when we're talking to people in a therapy session, their words will expose exactly what they believe. And so, of course. Well, you know, I've I've had anxiety for 20 years okay, well, how do you know you have anxiety? When did it start? Like, do you always have it? Well, yeah, I always have it. Well, when you sleep, do you have it? Well, I guess I don't have it when I sleep, right? And so we can start to tear apart their beliefs about it just by using language and asking questions and really digging into the root meaning that they gave to life experiences. Does that make sense? Yes,
0: absolutely. And um, one one of the things that was so compelling that I am wildly excited to to touch on is just that, and it is the power of language and NLP. I mean, the first time that I read um, Frogs Into Princes, I'm sure you've read a really, really amazing book, learning the power of, of language and the ability for languaging patterns to pierce and penetrate the analytical mind and create shocking images in people's and this is how you could get somebody to uh you know to to start working out or or to stop doing a sabotaging behavior by creating these shocking images in their mind through language that starts to tie a lot of pain to the thing that they're repeating and a lot of pleasure to not doing it but um what is the power how how does language and languaging patterns have such an ability to influence us and especially to influence the unconscious mind
1: Well, again, it goes back to those three steps of hypnotic influence. So if we have rapport, we have certainty, it's really shifting the focus. And I believe focus is, is like our divine gift because as we focus, we experience, we create, we can imagine things and those things come into our life. We can imagine things and we, we bring things into existence. And so this is part of our divine power. So in a therapy, you know, in frogs and a princess in a therapy session or whatever, I would start to figure out the pattern And it's a, let's say this pattern is causing someone pain and they may not realize it. So we want to link up the pain that's being caused by that behavior. And so we just shift their focus generally with questions because they're a little less invasive than me just saying, well, look, you're smoking cigarettes. You're going to get lung cancer. You're going to be like, I know that, but screw you. Like that's not helping. But if I'm, if I start to ask questions like, well, what's it going to be like in five years if you keep smoking, what are your lungs? What's it going to feel like to breathe? right? I'm not telling you anything. I'm just asking questions. You're then mm. digging for answers and you're like, well, I guess if I smoke a pack a day for the next five years and I'd be like, yeah, that's right. It, it may be difficult to breathe. You may even feel it now. What it'd be like to, to struggle to pull air in from this pattern. Right. And then you, I'd watch their breathing and see how their breathing's changing in that moment as they're, as they're starting to make that link between the continued pattern and pain, because often Smoking cigarettes isn't painful right now. It's going to be painful in 20 years. Yes. We want to bring that pain into the moment, have them experience that now with their focus. I want to see it in their physiology. I want them to, to really embody that. So they link up there's pain with this and there's pleasure with stopping. And so all we're doing is, is leading their focus, using their own language, um, by, and asking questions. So they get to make a new meaning. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and questions, you know, uh,
0: very, very uh, classic uh, modality, you know, ask better questions, you get better answers and a statement like I can't do this, a statement, the mind shuts down, but a question, it starts searching, you know, all of its neural networks
1: for, for the answer, right? Yeah. So thinking, um, about, thinking about this, asking is as king, whoever's asking the question is yes. as king and is really in control. I've never heard that before. I know. I just, I just heard this a few weeks ago and I was like, I love it. Um, when, when we use, uh, you know, looking, looking
0: at something like NLP, uh, how would you use it if somebody had a phobia? So I'll tell you a phobia that I, that I had, that was actually very strong. Um, when I'd moved into, when I'd moved into my, my house that I live in now, it was the first time I've ever lived in like a full house by myself. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie called strangers uh, where there's like a series of, of like break-ins and tortures in the South. Uh, I believe it was in the Southern United States. Uh, I've
1: heard of it. Yeah. I've never terrifying. seen it. Terrifying.
0: I mean, I mean, so again, emotional experience ties in this, this deep rooted fear that it was going to happen to me and my body would end up in a, in a, you know, I'd fall asleep at midnight and I'd wake up at 1215 in a in a fight or flight, you know, trauma, full-on trauma experience in my body this, this fear, every time my furnace would kick in, I'd go, Oh my God, here they come, you know, and then somebody's going to come and you know, crowbar me or stab me in my sleep. Um, how would you use something like NLP to get somebody over a phobia?
1: Yeah. So this is a great example. So first of all, I would want to get into rapport with your subconscious. So I wouldn't say, all right, subconscious, you have to change. I'd say, that's amazing. Like, think about how incredible that is that you watched a movie one time and you learned something to such a degree that now your subconscious is always keeping you on edge. Like, that's how fast your subconscious learns and how amazing it is. So first of all, I want to thank that part of you because it's really just looking out for you, right? Mm. So, so we start to get into rapport that way. And then the next thing I want to, I want to make sure you're at threshold. I want to make sure you really want to change. Now, something like this is pretty easy, but something that people have like food addictions, smoking, maybe they want to quit coffee a lot of times they don't really want to change, right? Like this is something that you're probably like, yeah, I'm ready to change. So if you're not ready to change, it doesn't matter what I say, what I do until you get to what's called threshold. You're not going to, you're not going to want to stop. And so that's something has to change. It has to be me and it has to be now. So I'll probably have you convince me about why you want to change and what your life's going to be like and really get you to the edge of that threshold. And then we're going to go, I would probably just do a quick regression uh, which means kind of going back in time to re-experience that that first memory of of that. And so, all right. So when we when we do this work, I want to make sure you're in that fearful state because that's the part of you that I want to work with. Yes. Right? I can. There's this confident part of you, and if I take this confident part of you and I do this work, well, nothing's going to change because that part of you is already confident. So I want to go directly with the neural. And I when I say part, I mean like. The specific neural network in your brain tied to yes. that incident. So uh, I'll put I want you to get into that state. I'll have you close your eyes, imagine watching that movie, put yourself in it. I want to see your breathing change, I want to see your face get tense. Uh, I'm calibrating that experience for you. Then I would say, All right, let's imagine going back in time, not only to when you saw that movie, but maybe even any time before that, right? Any time in your life that that something similar happened or you you felt you felt fear, you felt like you were going to be attacked and and that may take you to something that you don't even remember. You may think it's that movie, but it may be something when you were 3 years old and somebody came into your house, or, you know, whatever. So we want to go to like that initial incident and again, the most important thing is to give it new meaning. So what does that mean? When you watch that movie, what does it mean? Well, for your subconscious took it as like a real life threat. Right? but we can, we can, I'll, I i do not want to give it the meaning. i want to let you give it the meaning. So you're going to give that movie a new meaning. We'll change the modalities of it. So, you know, the NLP modalities for, for those who don't, it's, uh, basically the five senses. So if we change what we see, what we hear, what we feel, uh, what we smell and what we taste, that starts to change the meaning and it changes the emotions around it. So if I had you imagine watching that movie again, but instead of, um, there being bloody scenes there was like rainbows and sprinkles and unicorns and like clowns or something that made you laugh specifically and you imagine watching that movie and all the scenes in there and and there was a change in the outcome the brain starts to change the memory tied to that movie right yes. our 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 memories are plastic and so as we start to change the meaning or i can even have you push that television off into the distance i can have you fade it out um, most of the time, you're experiencing the fear because you're. It's almost like you're subconsciously in the movie, experiencing it as one of the characters. But if we just have you imagine stepping back, right, and and watching it as a movie and understanding that it's just a movie and pushing that movie off into the distance, it'll change the emotions around it. Does that make sense? Yes, a
0: absolutely, hundred percent. And and because the unconscious mind doesn't understand the difference between what's real and what's imagined, you know, the 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 furnace making. The bump in the night, it goes. It, it thinks it's in the experience, right? And and the one thing that did reverse this for me was was hypnosis and and you know tapping and doing some like EMDR therapy and stuff like that. Because yeah, I mean, it was such a real thing. You don't realize how real it is until you're like, till you have a house by yourself, and then you realize, okay, yeah. statistically, I'm 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 four times more likely to drown in my own bathtub um, than than you know randomly be murdered. So I'm probably pretty okay. Uh, and and nor has it ever happened to anybody that I, that I've ever known. So I th- I think my odds are pretty good, but because, you know, the unconscious mind, like you said, it's trying to serve you by keeping you on edge because it thinks it's in the experience. It's like, it's like, I'm just going to keep you in this fight or flight response just in case, you know, and, and just in case.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, and you know, that's a, that's a good thing that keeps us alive uh, until it's not, right. Until it's not. So have, have you ever seen the movie home alone?
0: Yeah. Oh Yeah.
1: So, uh, metaphors are a great way because metaphors bring on different parts of our brain and they connect different Mm -hmm. parts of our brain. So in this situation, I would probably, as I'm coaching you, I would do some different things and I would weave in a story about Kevin McAllister, who was home alone. And, and remember how afraid he was of that furnace. Mm. And so, you know, as the movie went on, like this furnace would freak him out. He's at home alone. And then until he just like walked down into the basement and he walked up to it, And he said, I'm not afraid anymore. You remember that scene? Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid anymore. And, and that's almost like, that would almost act like a suggestion to you as you're imagining Kevin McAllister, he gets over his fear of the furnace. He takes on the bad guys. Right. Um, And, and he succeeds. So I would tie in metaphors like that as they come up intuitively to me.
0: Yes. I love, and, and intuitively is good. And because the, um, the, the the brain and subconscious mind learn so well through metaphor and story and symbol um, that if you can, you know, create a picture or, a, or a symbol or something around that creates a meaning for somebody, it, you can change things so quickly for them. Uh, do you ever use um, uh, confusion language techniques to open the subconscious mind or, or to, they say when somebody's confused, they're open to new suggestion, right? When they're rigid in their thinking, um, but, and I know, you know, you've probably seen Tony do this many times where he'll go off into a random story about something that has nothing to do with what the person's dealing with, or say something like, um, you know, believe that you can change and believe in God. And if you don't believe in God, then believe, you know, become dyslexic and believe in dog because dyslexia can make you very creative and goes off on these tangents where it's like, doesn't even make sense. But the person becomes very confused. And as the more they become confused, the more the subconscious mind starts to open up to new suggestions. Is that something that, that you use with people? Because something I really enjoy uh, watching people's faces when you do it.
1: And then you know that you can actually get into the operating system and make a change. Absolutely. So I actually caught Tony anchoring confusion. So I don't know if you noticed this, but he'll take his hat and when he wants people to be confused, he'll flip his hat backwards. Right. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, he, 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 he uses that brilliantly. Um, yes, absolutely. I love confusing language. So if we think about confusion like this, let's say you and I are building a TP and we've never built a TP before, or we're building it in a new way. And we're like, man, how do we get this to stick? What the heck? Like, I'm really confused about where does this part go? Because it opens us up to learn and to lock things into the subconscious. So once we got that TP just the right way, that confusion passes, and it locks in that lesson, so that for the rest of our lives we then remember how to build that TP in that right specific mm. way. And so that's what confusion does for us. And so when we use confusing language, it puts people off guard, and they'll they'll cling to whatever that next suggestion is. So we can we can mix up our, our tenses, our time frames. Uh, we can mix up mix up our pronouns. Uh, there's a lot of things we can mix up in the middle of a sentence to create confusion, don't they? Right. Like me saying, don't they, is a, is a tag question on the end. Like that doesn't even make sense to the sentence I just yeah. said, but we can start to integrate some weird stuff like that. And people will get really confused. Can't I? Yeah. And, uh, and so like, yeah, there's different ways to, to create confusion and telling multiple stories within stories is, is one as well. and And Tony does that as well.
0: Yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, the approach right but the person on the receiving end of it has absolutely no idea what they're doing but they don't know that they're becoming very very suggestible um you know in that moment uh, i just have a couple more questions yeah, sorry well, yeah gonna, go ahead
1: i was gonna say you can see people as tony goes on to these stories their face starts to get really like they start to lose the expression from their face their jaws start to drop their eyes get really wide i mean it's classic trance signs yeah in the middle of these stories and then at the bot like let's say he opens one loop into another, into another. And then he gives the direct suggestion. uh, A classic one that comes to mind is proximity is power, right? He -hmm. opens the story, opens the story, opens another story. At the very bottom, he goes, and proximity, he says to me, proximity is power. So then we ended our trip. I went home, I changed this. And then this all worked out the way. And we tend to have amnesia because we're confused. There's multiple stories going on. We tend to have amnesia, but that direct suggestion goes deep into the unconscious and and change everything for you.
0: Oh, I love it. It's so, so great. And the ability, I mean, you know, you listen to, to people say things like, uh, oh, I'm just digging, I'm just digging a deeper and deeper hole for myself. Right. They metaphor. make a picture yeah. in their mind they but it's yeah. like, okay, well, what kind of tool are you using? Could you, uh, t- you know, could, could we throw a rope up and, and start to pull you out or is, or are you just going to keep digging? Right. And they start to get confused but they also start to learn through symbols like are you using a shovel are you using a backhoe or an excavator how deep do you want this hole to go before you're going to finally get
1: yourself out right metaphor and one thing erickson used to do milton erickson is yeah uh, he he would have people go farther into their symptom he called it prescribing the symptom he would have them go farther into the symptom to show that they could control how they felt and then he would bring them back the other way So someone would come to him to lose weight And uh, he would have them put on 20 pounds (laughs) or put on 10 pounds. Yeah. And, and they'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. He's like, well, that's okay. Like, go ahead, put on 10 pounds and come back and see me. And it showed that they could control their weight and they would feel even worse. They'd feel even more pain and it would transform something in the unconscious. Um, So you could have that guy dig even deeper and see what happens. Like, all right, let's go to China. Let's see if there's gold down there. Let's keep going. (laughs) And then before you bring him out the other way, you know, there's just, there's so many ways to do it. It's all about being creative and playful.
0: I love it. It's. Uh, I just have two more questions for you. One of them is, if somebody's running a sabotaging behavior in their life, be it in their weight, be it in their mood, be it in their money, um, what's one thing that they could start to do where they could take it into their own hands? And one thing that they could start to practice. that's going to start to, or even something they could start to examine, like a belief structure. And one thing that they could do to start to shift it and start to move um, into, you know, uh, the direction
1: that they do want to go. I, I mean, I think the most important thing is to surround yourself with people that have the success you want. I mean, I know that's mm. not a direct answer to your question. I'll get to that in a minute, but,
0: but it's very have, good
1: having a good coach and being around people that are financially successful, healthy, uh, in good relationships, your subconscious mind will get you in rapport with them. And once you're in rapport with them, you'll start to share the same brainwave space, the same thought patterns, the same actions. And so that's, that's really important. Like, like I said, with Tony's story, proximity is power, right? The people you spend time with, um, and the other thing is just to bring into conscious awareness, the pattern first. Yes. Uh, so start to be aware, like, okay, I want to go do this deal, but I have all this resistance in my body. Like, what is that? And you can trace that emotion back to the, to where that lesson was learned. So like, let's say I'm meditating. I, I want to do a, let's say I've done a bunch of duplexes and now I'm looking at a sixplex and I want to buy the sixplex, but I get anxious because it's a bigger deal than I've done before. I've, I, Cause I work with a lot of real estate entrepreneurs. Well, feel into that feeling and imagine the go back to the first time you ever felt that feeling, right? What, what happened? What was that like? Right. And then you can say like, where does this come from? Oh, this feeling comes from this. So that's one way and bring into conscious awareness, just becoming aware that that feeling exists is one thing. And then I try not to spend a ton of time going back into the past because I think people that go back in the past to heal trauma can go back as much as they want. And they're always going to find something that needs healing. Of course. So, I'm like, all right, pick the end state. The end state would be, and I, I share this story a lot the end state would be you owning that sixplex, right? Well, how would you know that you own that sixplex? I did this last year when I started buying bigger units, and I was like, all right, how would I know that I'm owning bigger units? Well, I'd be emptying coin laundry machines because duplexes don't really have coin laundry, but a 12plex does. So,
0: mm-hmm. in my
1: imagination, I would go empty these coin trays, pour it into this bag. I'd hear the coins click, I would feel the weight of that bag. Uh, and I would like multiple times for months. I would just imagine emptying coin laundry, because I was telling my subconscious when we have bigger when we have bigger units, we're going to empty coin laundry trays. So that was the natural result. So in order for my subconscious to deliver that experience, it had to get comfortable with buying bigger units. So last year I bought a sixplex, an eightplex, a plex, another sixplex. I got a couple more fourplexes under contract right now. Like I just started buying bigger and more deals than I'd ever done. And I was totally comfortable with it because my subconscious had a new target and it saw me as that type of person. So imagining the end state as if it's already happened is what starts to reprogram the subconscious. That's the most important thing you can do.
0: Yeah. And, and what you said, you can go back. I mean, if you want to go through all your trauma, just spend the rest of your life, you'll never even scratch 1% of it. Right. But if you could just tell someone, Hey, you know, instead of there, there are maybe some things we need to clear in the past, but in you know, instead of spending all of our time there, where do you want to be? Where are you now? What's standing in between there? And how would you know that you've achieved this thing? Um, It's much easier than going, okay, let's go back and reverse every time somebody was mean to you before you can be confident. Right. Um, And it's like putting together a puzzle.
1: Yeah. And I think there are times when things come up from the past and, and I think when they come up is when you deal with them, but I don't, I don't like to go out searching for them, but like if something, some emotion comes up and it's time to deal with it, it's time to deal with it. Um, I think a lot of people that do plant medicine, they, they, you know, like ayahuasca and and things like that, they think they need to go go back generally generationally to heal all this trauma. And I'm like, well, the more, the more you go back, the more you're going to find like your, your brain will just, even if there's nothing there, like your brain will make stuff up. Of course, um, because that's what you're looking for. So you're going to find it. And so I, I think, as things come up in our life, that's the time to release them. Otherwise, like keep your vision on the future and act in the present moment.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, my my last question for you. Um, my my purpose with this show really. Uh, is helping people. Success is an idea that we're that we sold, but a lot of times we don't have a clear picture of it. Right? It's like it's like putting together a puzzle. And and if if somebody sends you a thousand pieces in a cardboard box with a sticky note that says good luck, it's going to take you a long time to put the puzzle together. But the one thing that helps us put a puzzle together is having a clear picture on the front of it. And talking to so many people, they're like, Oh, I just want to be successful. And it's like, how do you know you're not already? Right. What is, what does it mean to you? So um, creating a picture of of success, what I call authentic success. um, I ask everybody this, but what is your definition of it? What does it mean to you?
1: Oh man. Uh, I mean, I have kind of ideas for success in every area of my life. And and that was a a really, a really great explanation. You just, you just made there. And I realized uh, a year ago, I'd Bought a bunch of real estate. I was, you know, starting to have passive income and equity, and and I still didn't feel successful. And so I asked the question, just like you did, uh, like the meta model, like, well, what would it take for me to be successful? And I was like, oh, I'd have to have a million dollars a year in income. And that was the answer that came right away. And so that's running in the background. And so if if I don't have that, I'm not going to feel successful. Does that make sense? And so that's yeah, why course. I was like, well, I don't feel successful, even though I'm having more success than ever. And so, and then I was like, well, I want to redefine that. I want to redefine that anytime I'm pursuing my purpose and enjoying life in the moment and serving others is when I'm successful. Yes. Does that make sense? Like, like I could be, if you, if. I would rather live under a bridge than go work at a corporate job. Like I would, if I was living under a bridge and pursuing my purpose, I would feel more successful than I would if I had, uh, you know, a a six or seven figure job at a, at a company, just doing something that was mediocre, right? Like that's success for me is being on my own, having my own purpose, serving other people. Um, and like, there's, that's easy. Anybody can do that. Right. Like when you have a, I have a definition now that makes me feel successful at any time. And Sometimes I have to remind myself of it. Right? It's not always natural, but of course, that's what I back to. so anytime I'm pursuing my purpose and serving others, awesome. Where can people
0: get a hold of you? Because I think that there's a lot of people that that would largely, largely benefit, just like I did um, from what you have to bring to the world.
1: Well, thanks for the compliments. I'm glad I had an impact, and thank you for reaching out. This has been a great podcast, and I'm I'm actually super impressed by uh, how how much you know and and how well you manage this interview. So. Uh, thanks for having me. And and Thank you. I'm everywhere at Spohn Train. That's S-P-O-H-N and then the word trained. So Spohn trained on Instagram, Facebook, uh, the Spohn trained Subconscious Programming Podcast. Um, I just interviewed a woman who, who talked about open focus, the open focus brain. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Oh, uh, you gotta, I'll send you this interview. It should be up in two weeks. Um, changing the, not just what we focus on, but how we focus. It's a total right. game change. So that episode's coming out. Uh, I got an event coming up in March in Mexico called Resonance, where we do four days of of programming and anchoring in five different resource states and, and getting rid of a bunch of old limiting beliefs and um, and learning how to influence others. So that's uh slash resonance. And yeah, I think that about sums it up.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Authentic Success Podcast. If you've made it this far, it means you are not a dabbler and that you are someone who's truly committed to making a lasting change. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating, comment, or review as it helps me bring this message to more people that need it. If you want to go a step further, this is an invitation to grab a free copy of my book, Authentic Success, at jordanulrich.com forward slash success. Keep your energy up, keep moving forward even when it's scary, and I'll see you on the next episode.